Welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast. This is a collaborative project between Focus Recovering Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, LGBTQ Plus Spectrum of Finley, and other volunteers. In this podcast, we hear recovery stories from people who suffer from mental health conditions, substance use, and trauma. We also hear from service providers, family members, and other community supporters of recovery. The subject matter of this podcast may be difficult for some listeners. The views and opinions expressed on the I and Somebody podcast are those of individuals being recorded and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of the partnering agencies. Stick around after the podcast for information on local and national resources for mental health, substance use, and trauma services. I am somebody. 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 I am Whitney, and I am somebody. Hi, everyone. This is Stacy with the I Am Somebody podcast. Today, I have a special co-host, Larissa. How are you doing today, Larissa? Oh, I am wonderful. Super excited to be back on the podcast here. Um, we are super fortunate to be here with Whitney today. Um, Hi. Hello, hello. What's going on today? How's, how's the day treating you? Wonderful. I am on Christmas vacation, so no kids at work, just me getting work done, so it's always nice. That is nice. (laughs) You get a couple days off for this next week? Uh, I am only working Tuesday and Wednesday next week, and Wednesday and Thursday the week after that, so yeah. Can't beat that. Yes. Off till January 4th. Very cool. I'm trying to get on that schedule. (laughs) (laughs) I work hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome to hear. Um, So we're super pumped to have you on here today. Let's give the listeners just a little, you know, smidge of what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, My name's Whitney, as we said, and I have been in recovery for nine years. Going on nine years. I won't get ahead of myself. Um, I have had a long journey I feel like with recovery and mental health along the way um and yeah we're just going to talk about that and the gifts that recovery bring I love that I love that I always like hearing about how people's lives got better yes it's the best part it is (laughs) All right. Well, if you want, we can start wherever. Um, I know you said that you have a history of it. I guess you could tell us how did that start? So um, when I was, well, I guess backing up all the way to elementary school, I um, got a boyfriend and we stayed together for a very long time. He had a very severe drug problem since I was like 14 years old. As I mentioned, I visited him in rehab for the first time when I was 14, and I said that I was never, ever going to do hard drugs. I was never going to do any of that. I, of course, was at the time drinking, smoking weed, doing acid, you know, all of those not-so-bad things. Um, But opiates were totally off the table for me because I could see the damage that they had done. And I held out. I held out for a long time. Um, I would say that probably around the time I was 15 or 16, I started having a problem with drinking. Um, It was an easy way to escape, and I did that quite frequently. Um, I never knew, like, the shut-off button drink and drink and drink until I was barely alive. Um, Many times while I was still in high school, my parents had to pick me up from friends' houses, passed out, and had my stomach pumped. There was just all of those things. I feel like I was trying to escape from a very, very young age. But again, opiates were off the table. So fast forward, my ex-husband and I bought a house when we were 18 and 19 years old, kind of just really got into that playing house thing when we were really, really young. I moved out when I was 17. I think I tried to jump into life way, way too fast with definitely the wrong support system. So we bought a house and that kind of gave us the freedom to do whatever we wanted 
I ended up getting pregnant, having a miscarriage, got put on some painkillers for a short period of time. And I didn't think that the pain was going away the way that I wanted it to. Looking back, I definitely think it was more of an emotional pain that I was trying to get rid of versus actual physical pain. I had a friend that came to me. She was very good at convincing doctors that she was injured in some way. Don't know how she did that. I never got good at that. But she had she had oxys and told me that this would take away the pain and it and it did. It took away the pain the way I wanted it to. And at first it was just here and there. I can get rid of the pain this way. Whatever pain I thought I had at the time. I've noticed that my um, pain tolerance has increased a lot these days. But anyway, so tried oxys when I was 19. And it was pretty much a downward spiral from there. Um, It didn't take long for me to realize that this was definitely what I had been looking for for a long time. That that time is a lot of a blur. A lot of people ask me like, what kept you going in that? And what, like, why didn't you, what, why didn't you stop? What was so fun about it? I have no clue. Honestly, there, there's nothing that I can look back at and tell you that it was fun. I liked the way it made me feel or the way that it didn't make me feel. And that is why I kept doing it. So probably a lot of living like right in the moment, right? Like only worrying about like right right now. now and then yes. yeah. How can I get rid of withdrawal pain? How can I get rid of emotional pain? How can I uh get my next high today? What right. in this minute even? There was no real thinking about anybody or anything. Um I did a lot of messed up things. I think that I Right around the time that I had a miscarriage, I also lost my grandfather, um, who was very, very important to me. He played a huge role in my life. He, we found out in August that he had esophagus cancer, and he he died Thanksgiving that year. So it was a very, very short time, and the cancer, like, took over his brain and everything in that very short time. My grandmother was bless her heart, she, she was not, she was a caretaker, but she was not a caretaker. She, she couldn't handle a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. She would pass out at any minute over any just small, small thing. Um, and I ended up taking care of my grandfather for those three months, hooking up feeding tubes, bathing him, doing all of those things. Well, guess what comes with cancer? I did not take any pain medication from my grandfather the entire time that he was alive. But when he died, I made sure I got over there and cleaned out the medicine cabinet. And I was with my mom when I did it. And I was sitting in a gas station parking lot. I remember the moment like it was yesterday. I was sitting in a gas station parking lot with my mom. And I looked at my mom and I said, I just stole all of grandpa's medication. And she was like, you did what? And I was like, I just took all of it. And she was like, Whitney, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I I don't know. I think I'm sick. And she was like, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, well, I'm going to take it. And she was like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I most certainly can. And that was the minute that I realized that I didn't have control anymore Um, because I would, that, that wasn't me, you know, it wasn't someone, I wasn't someone who would do those things, even though I had been doing those things for a a while. Um, but I wasn't super deep at that point. I wasn't, I wasn't doing the other messed up stuff, you know, but that was like my first really, that was my first moment that I realized like, wow, you just kind of went pretty low, but of course I justified it that he doesn't need the medication anymore. He's not around. And, but I also, you know, manipulated my mom into getting me there. I was sneaking around in my grandfather's home while my grandmother is grieving and just all of, and, and I was also, but you know, 
I knew there was medication and I knew that I needed that medication. That was the only thing that mattered at that time. So that, that was like 2006, 2000, you know, lots of things happened in between now and then, or between then and moving here, which was in 2009. Um, I found out I was pregnant in 2008 with my first son. He was a miracle baby. Um, I have endometriosis and I was told I would never conceive a child on my own. And I did. They took me off birth control and six months later I was pregnant. So that's awesome though. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) That was 14 years ago. Um, so I, I, got pregnant. And the day that I told my parents that I was pregnant, they told me that they were moving across the country to Ohio. They had put my childhood home on the market and they were leaving. And I was like, what? I was devastated, but my ex-husband had warrants out for his arrest and there were lots. We named my child while he was in jail. So we named my first child between plexiglass. But I thought it was the perfect solution to all of our problems. We were going to move across the country. We were going to have this perfect family and we were going to get our shit together. So we packed up and well, we had the baby and then we packed up. So Hunter was born in 2009 and October 2009, and we were here by Christmas. Very wow. short period of time, we moved a baby across the... That's, like, a lot of big changes, like, back, like kind of all very consecutively during that time. Like, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a lot, but honestly, I didn't even notice any of it. It was just yeah. <laughs> all just, what can I do next? Right. I will never forget um, the the day we packed up and moved across the country. In between the time that my grandfather died and coming here permanently, we made a trip here and we found a new drug of choice and spent the next eight months extremely addicted to crack. Um, And I spent two hours in the Walmart parking lot um, with my child in the car smoking crack before we got on the road to come here because we needed that. We had to make a 16-hour drive. Quit breastfeeding because that was, you know, the best thing to do. Um, Instead, just do it around them instead. So we got here and we went downhill extremely fast because, like I said, we visited here. We visited family here and that is where we picked up our new habit, which went well with our old habit. You know, we got the uppers, you got the downers, you can do it all and everything's great. So um, we moved here. Things went downhill pretty fast. And we were here for three months, and I decided it's time. We're, we're cleaning up our act. This is disgusting. I can't believe we're doing this with, with a baby, a baby baby, you know. So I decided I, I was going to get on Suboxone. Went to my first appointment, and they did a pregnancy test. And guess what? I was pregnant. <sighs> I was devastated. <laughs> It's um, funny that you say that because right before I got sober, that's also how I found that I was pregnant with my second child. <laughs> it was at the doctor for Suboxone. Yeah. So the doctor came in and was like, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I, I have a three month old baby. Yeah. That's not possible. And I wasn't even supposed to be able to have that baby. Like, how am I pregnant? Right. He's like, well, you're pregnant. And I'm like, I think I should do another test. He was like, you can do another test if you'd like, but you're pregnant. And I'm like, I'm going to do another test. I did another test. Lo and behold, I was still pregnant. My <laughs> my husband was in, ex-husband now, but husband at the time was in the, um, was in the car with my, he was four months, with my four-month-old. 
and I came out bawling and he was like, what's wrong? Did you not get your medication? I'm like, I I did get the medication, not the medication I was thinking I was going to get, but I did. And I'm pregnant. And he was like, you're what? And I was like, I'm pregnant. Um, I spent the next six months, like towing or nine months towing the line. Um, I, I was good. I got a job which, by the way, I hadn't had for a while. I got a job. We got a decent place to live. We started building a home. And he, as far as I know, was on the same train with me. Um, when you say towing the line, can you clarify that a little bit? <laughs> Sorry. I w- yeah, I was doing everything right. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs. I was going to work. We were paying our bills. We were doing all of the things that we were supposed to do. And that was great. I was on Subutex. I, things were going well. And then I had Emerson day before New Year's Day in 2010. Sorry, the day before New Year's Eve. I always say that. Day before New Year's Eve. And I don't know what happened from there. It was not good. We decided that again, we needed another geographical change. And I was not feeling super fulfilled in the job that I, I guess I probably should rewind a little bit and mention that I did get a bachelor's degree in the midst of all of that stuff. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Hey, back in 2009. (laughs) So from 2005 to 2009, I did go to college and I did get a bachelor's degree. So I ask what you went to school for mental health and human services. Mm. (laughs) So that is, I did that. And I was studying for my counseling license, the boards, Um, when I decided to leave and I thought there's no point for me to do this I'm gonna have to transfer my license when I get to Ohio right so I didn't do it and then when I got here come to find out my license my degree didn't qualify for a counseling license here so that kind of blew up and my dream of becoming a counselor kind of disintegrated but I did continue to work in the mental health and substance abuse field imagine that And I had been super interested in all of that before I even, like, became addicted to drugs or any of that. It's just always kind of been something that I've been passionate about. So fast forward again. So I've had Emerson. I'm not feeling super fulfilled in my career. And I am feeling like we need another geographical change. So I decided that I was going to go get a big girl job in Columbus and we were going to split the distance because my husband was working in Finley. So we were going to move to Marion and I was going to drive to Columbus every day and he was going to drive to Finley every day. That was, I mean, it was the beginning of the end for me. So I guess it's not like a terrible thing. And I feel like that through getting that job, I, I worked at the um, state psych hospital for a year and a half, and I feel like that was therapeutic. Um, it was the beginning of me, like, finding myself and finding me really, finding out for me what life was really going to be about. You know, I haven't mentioned that the entire time that I've been in this relationship, it's been extremely abusive, when I was 20, I got, I was still in Maine. I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but I was still in Maine and um, I kept getting super sick and I, we couldn't figure out what it was. I was getting admitted to the hospital. I was dehydrated. I couldn't stop vomiting, but there was nothing else. Like I just kept vomiting constantly and I felt nauseous constantly and the only thing that made me feel better was puking and there was nothing wrong with me I'd get admitted they'd give me fluids I'd stay overnight because they do all these tests and everything and they would come back and say there's nothing wrong with you you're good to go well I'd feel better start to feel better anyway and then a couple of days later it would start again and we just couldn't figure it out finally I got admitted this one time and this doctor came in and introduced himself and said that he was 
a psychiatrist. And I was like, a psychiatrist? Like, what does this have to do with anything? He was like, I'm going to prescribe a medication for you and I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to come back in about 20 minutes and I'm going to see how you're feeling. What is this crock of shit, right? Well, he prescribed Klonopin, gave me Klonopin and came back in 20 minutes and I was up, dressed, ready to go. And he was like, you have anxiety and that is what's going on with you. So that was another very big downfall for me. Um, It was helpful, of course, if I had taken it correctly, because I quickly figured out that Klonopin was a whole nother type of escape. So, you know, Klonopin and all of those benzos quickly became taboo and like, oh, we're not prescribing those anymore. And that is just not something that we can do. So, I stayed on I stayed on it for a couple of years and then of course when I started getting on Suboxone and everything it was no you cannot do both and I feel like I really had to start dealing with that actual anxiety then um, because at the time for so long I had just been like band-aiding it I wasn't really doing anything about it and counseling who needs counseling right (laughs) I'm gonna be a counselor I don't need counseling of course right so I got this big girl job and I was on Suboxone, no longer on my anxiety medication, in an abusive relationship, extremely abusive. And that's where I was going with the whole um, anxiety thing. Like I lived in a constant state of eggshells. Like what am I going to say today to piss him off? Am I going to piss him off to the point that he's going to drag me on the floor by my hair? Am I going to end up with a black eye today that I have to lie about and say like, oh, I walked into the edge of a cabinet or something stupid. He broke my, he broke my collarbone when I was 16 years old. Um, but of course that was an accident. So it was okay. Um, there's just lots and lots of things that a lot of my trauma was self-inflicted in a way yeah I mean I could have escaped that trauma if that makes sense I'm not blaming myself Uh, but I mean it's hard in that moment and very hard loved him yeah and more than anything you know it was an accident so you know I can forgive this always (laughs) always so so apologetic and everything is always so you know, it's that really sharp up and that really sharp down. And you never know when that down is coming. And it was like clockwork, you know, it it just good, bad, good, bad, constantly. And when I got this job in Columbus, I met people being from a very, very small, I mean, I lived in a town of 400 people. I graduated from a high school with 97 kids and that was combined three towns. Small, small, small. And then I'm working in Columbus. I met so many people, so many different people, people from different types of lives, people, people that just like really, I, I grew a lot and they, I just had such a supportive group of people at that time and I decided I was getting a divorce um it's huge yeah my breaking point I went grocery shopping with both of my kids one night and brought home Wendy's and I messed up the Wendy's order So I got home and gave him his sandwiches and he was, um, he had been drinking and he was pissed off that there were tomatoes on his sandwich. So he started throwing the tomatoes at me and I did not like that at all. I was definitely not one of those girls that just like cowered in a corner. I, he lit a fuse for me. We were toxic I can't say that I was not ever <laughs> abusive because I I didn't just lay down and take it. Um, and I did also instigate when I was angry. I did not like having tomatoes thrown at me. And I was running my mouth. I did not deserve to have def- tomatoes thrown at me. And I did not deserve what came next in any way, shape, or form, no matter what I did. But um, we had like a 
huge antique mirror in our living room. And he picked up this antique mirror and chased me into my room with it. And I knew what he was going to do. And I did curl up on the bed because I was scared shitless. And my two kids were two and three years old or one and two at the time. And they were standing there in the doorway with me curled up on the bed and him standing over me with this huge ass mirror, getting ready to break it over my body. And my kids were standing in the doorway yelling, daddy, stop, daddy, stop. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. If I, if I live through this moment, I am done. So I started quietly and secretly working and I was putting money away and I was quiet about it. January 7th he came home and me and my kids had packed up and moved out and to be super vindictive I guess is what it kind of I felt like I was protecting myself at the time but it was vindictive he had left his phone at home from he had forgotten his phone at home that night and I took his phone with me because I was like I don't want him getting a I knew that if he was able to get in touch with me I was gonna break and I knew that I couldn't break this time I did not this is the life that he grew up in he grew up in that you know abusive environment he continued that abusive environment and that is the last thing that I am going to let my kids grow up in they are not going to continue that cycle so I was adamant that I needed to get out and I did and things got worse (laughs) for a while yeah I continued using I continued digging my hole, I guess. Um, I ended up getting evicted from my apartment because I couldn't pay my bills. My kids were two and three at that point. Um, I moved in with a friend from work, a boy friend. Um, We were not dating. And of course, you know, that turned into I was a cheater and all of those things. But that was not what it was. Um, It was someone that cared enough and that showed me what it could really be like to be treated decently even though we weren't in a romantic relationship I was treated like a human being um my opinions mattered we worked together as partners even though it it was complicated but still I got to see what life could really be like and it was nice um but then things continued to spiral downward for a couple of years um we when I got evicted we decided we were going to move to Dayton another geographical change because this person he he was he was a social drug user can you believe that (laughs) (laughs) he was he was a social drug user he um never got addicted to drugs wow but he liked to do them so that I feel like was attractive to me. I was like, maybe it will rub off on me. Maybe I can just do it sometimes when he does. But I was just about to ask how this went for you having the the like social. A, yeah, yeah, not well. <laughs> um, yeah, not well at all. I, of course, moved to a new town in Dayton, and think Dayton and Columbus okay I was making a trip to Columbus every two days from Dayton to get drugs because I didn't know anybody in Dayton at the time so I was making that trip from Dayton to Columbus every two days with my kids to get drugs and he would partake sometimes he would not other times but me you know I was full balls to the wall I started to realize that things were not going well um, when I decided that it was time that I needed a break from my children and I needed some me time. It had been two years since I had had like really a break at all and I decided I was going to send them to Maine with their dad 
he had not seen them at all. So I felt justified in the fact that like, it's his turn, right? And I let him know that I needed to get my shit together and I needed a little bit of time. And he said, okay, you need to bring them to me. So me saying, all right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it right now because right now, right? Mm -hmm. So it was nine o'clock at night and I had no drugs. I had been in withdrawal for like two days and I was like, I'm going to go to Columbus and then I'm going to head to Maine. In the first 10 minutes that I was in on the interstate, I got in a really bad car accident. Both of my kids in the back seat. I don't know exactly what happened, honestly. I, I sideswiped a semi. The semi sideswiped me. I don't know. But my car was totaled. I had no insurance, of course. And I made it about 10 minutes from home. So, and everybody was safe. Thank, thank God, because it could yeah. have been so much worse. Yeah. But it wow. was a wake-up call for me. It was, uh, holy shit, what am I doing? My kids never went to Maine. <laughs> 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 and I went a while without a car. But within two months, I decided I was moving home and I was going to go live with my mom. The guy I was living with was pretty devastated because he really enjoyed having me and the kids in his life. And I felt kind of shitty just leaving him high and dry, but I had to take care of me. So I got here Back to Finley um, in October, no, April, my bad, April, and I ended up getting a job at Treeline. For, I, for those who may not know, what is Treeline? The, so it was the rehab that was opening at the time, so it hadn't even opened yet. So mm-hmm. I was working for Century Health, but there was a, there was a secret in there that I – was working under so you were supposed to be two years clean and I had about six months um I got here got on Suboxone and spent that little bit of time getting clean I wasn't supposed at the time you couldn't be peer support if you were on Suboxone and you had to have the two years clean I know that things have changed a little bit but that was like 2014 so got this job I was being I was the supervisor for for Treeline. Um, I lasted about four months. I really dug into my recovery. I was going to NA meetings every single day. I was doing all of the things that I was supposed to. And I decided I got this big girl job. I'm not supposed to be on Subox and I've got to get off of it. It was a terrible idea. I was off it for about a month. And I relapsed. I relapsed for about 30 days. And I drained my bank account. I was messing up at work. The consequences were not as great. Let's put it that way. But they were enough that I was like, holy shit, what are you doing? Took me 30. Oh, my mom took my car because she was letting me use her car. That was enough to be like, oh, God, what am I going to do now? Like, why am I doing this stuff? So I was like, okay, I give, I tap out. I went into Century Health. I told them that I had been using, told them that I hadn't been clean for two years, came clean. At that point, like after going to NA for, you know, four months every day, I had started to pick up on some of the recovery rules, if that is a good way to put it, some of the things to go by. And I had started to pick up on the fact that I lied a lot and that lies were going to eat me alive. So I feel like when I walked into Century Health and asked to speak to my manager and told her that I had been using and that I hadn't been clean for two years and that I, you know, had all of the things that had been going on, I feel like it was the first time that I was like, I'm going to start telling the truth. And I'm going to see where this gets me. Um, 
and I've been clean ever since. (laughs) So congratulations. I mean that I feel like NA saved my life. It's not something that I really like. I don't attend NA meetings or anything like that now, but I still do try to live by some of the principles. Um, and it taught me so, so much. And I just decided I'm going to start taking this recovery thing serious. My kids were in kindergarten and first grade and I was just like, I have to do this. Like, I do not want them to have this life. And honestly, I didn't want the life either, but it had been working for me. <laughs> it was just not working for everybody else. Right. So I just decided I was going to start taking things a little bit more serious. So I got back on Suboxone. I started going to counseling. I went to group every week for two solid years, even though they told me after the first year, you don't have to do this anymore. And I was like, nah, it's part of my routine. I have to do this. Um, Went to group every week for two solid years. Still in counseling today, still have the same counselor. And things have just worked out. I had... I was on Suboxone for most of that time. Um, So I feel like in combination, NA, Suboxone, and me taking things a little more serious is what saved my life. Um, I recently in January decided that, recently in January, a year ago in January decided that I was done with Suboxone and I was going to go on Sublicade. I say what that is now? Yeah, you Please. can explain. I mean, not, not all listeners may know. Yeah, so Sublicade is a once-a-month injection that is equivalent to Suboxone, um, but you, it's a lot easier to taper from, and it's a lot easier to come off of Suboxone through Sublicade. It's also very good for people who may not use their medication correctly or maybe at risk for, you know, selling their medications, injecting their medications, those sort of things. So it's a really good alternative. Um, I decided in January that I was giving myself six months to get down to uh, eight milligrams and to be stable on that and that three months to get to where I needed to be. So in March, I got my first Sublicade shot, and I have not had a Sublicade shot since June. So I consider myself completely off of Sublicade, off of Suboxone, all of those things. Um, I still see my counselor on a monthly, bi-monthly basis, depending, and I try to keep myself involved by doing things like this and you know life is good today so I feel that I'm one of the lucky ones honestly yeah my life is good today um I feel like I have so much more in recovery than I would have ever dreamed of being possible it's everything I would have hoped for, but if you would have asked me even, let's say, five years ago, four years ago, six years ago, I would have told you that, no, that's probably not going to be the way it is. Um, in 2015, my mom and I opened a school for kids with special needs, So we run Miss Donna's Adaptive Learning Center together, and that's also something that I would have laughed if somebody had told me that. All of the credit goes to my mom. She is the one with the dream. She is the one that um, facilitated that whole thing. She's the one who made the dream come alive. I like to say she made the dream come alive, and I keep it alive, but... 2014, when I moved home, she told me, this is what I'm doing. And I said, you're nuts. That's not <laughs> going to happen. And she was like, no, it's going to happen. It, It's a year. It's 18 months away, but it's what we're doing. And I was like, okay, mom. She did it. <laughs> she made it happen. And I don't even, I have no clue. She worked so hard. 
she did it while she was going to school, getting her master's degree. And she did so, so much. I still, even when it happened, I feel like such an ass, but even once it happened, I still didn't believe it was happening. So she was like, are you ready to come work for me? And I was like, no, I'm not quitting my job. That's not happening. Like I'll work part-time for you because I still don't believe that this is really going to happen. It, it only took me a few months to start working part-time. And then I was like, holy shit, she did this. She really, really did this. And I quit my job. I was working at the psych hospital in Toledo and, um, I was just like, I can't believe that she did this, but we started out with four students and we now have 34 students Wow! and it's nine years later, eight, nine, something like that, 2015 to now. And we love it. And she's starting to pull back a little bit and I'm starting to, you know, pick up a little more and eventually it's going to be mine and but we, we share it. And that to me is like ultimate goals in life. Like who gets to work for themselves, but also work side by side with their mom. My mom is my best friend. She has supported me a hundred percent of the time. Even when I thought she was my worst enemy, she, she was still supporting me a hundred percent of the time and getting to work with her every day and do something that we both love to do has been amazing. I have found a new passion. I get to use my mental health and human service stuff every day. All my students have special needs. They all come from, you know, backgrounds where that stuff is. I, I use it every day, but I like to say, you know, education found me. Um, And it's, that is now my passion. I have gone back to school. I've gotten my intervention specialist license. It's a long road, but I did that. And I, I love what I do now. My, my kids are, they're decent human beings, I guess. You know, I've got a 14, soon to be 13, and one that just turned four. And uh, we just went to Disney a week ago, and I never would have dreamed that I would have been able to take my kids to Disney, but I did. That's awesome. We may be homeless next week, but (laughs) we went to Disney. So, um, it's really beautiful. Just yeah. Yeah. So many things Uh that it's just, it, it's come full circle for me and I have an amazing partner more than amazing. I mean, he doesn't get enough credit from me. Uh, he, has definitely been the ultimate person that has shown me what life can be like in a relationship and in a partnership. Um, people think, think I'm nuts or like, don't believe me, but we, we don't fight. He's never called me a name. He's never raised his voice at me. Uh, we went through some real rocky times in the beginning because I was like, what is wrong with you? You don't love me because you're not, calling me a bitch every five seconds and you've like not ever put your hands on me and there's not enough drama in our relationship for you to actually have (laughs) any sort of feelings right (laughs) so we went through some really hard times and he had no clue how to communicate with me and we went to counseling I mean we've worked hard on our relationship and it's amazing I love 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 my life and I couldn't really ask for anything better. I mean, other than like warm weather and (laughs) living in a mansion and driving a Land Rover. But, you know, like (laughs) these are things that don't really matter, you know. So I just, life is really, really great. And I hope to just continue to grow and see all of these benefits that come out of being in recovery. That's such a beautiful story. I love that you said, you know, you found your passion with, you know, your career and everything. Yeah. Because I always hear people say, you know, find what sets your soul on fire. Yes. And then you will stay, you know, the chorus. And it just sounds, it's it's beautiful that you found it. Yeah. Yeah. And just think, I mean, you're at this point, how many more great things are coming your way? (sighs) 
You know? That is, I mean, I keep telling myself that, that like if it's been this short time, you know, we always say it, it took us 10 years to dig this hole. It's going to take us 20 to dig out, you know. Uh, I I feel like, I, I feel like I've dug out at this point, you know. I've reached goals that I didn't think was possible. I have set goals and met goals and I feel I feel fulfilled on a regular basis and I don't really know how it could get better but I can only assume that it will because that's just what history has proven and yeah. that's that's all I can hope for that's awesome I I love that you know you talked about how everything you know as a whole helped you know you had counseling you had support system you know all these things it's kind of like it's so cool to watch every you know somebody's life just fall back in place that's what know? I was just gonna say it's like everything just kind of fell into place I fully wholeheartedly believe that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and that last short relapse that I had it it needed to happen it was something I had that aha moment of like my lying, my hiding, my all of those things that I've been doing for so long that feel so natural today are keeping me sick. They're keeping me from being able to do what I need to do. And I need to stop lying. I need to stop hiding. And I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens. And, and obviously it has worked for me. So I, I, don't think that I could have done it without that because I was so when I went off Suboxone that time I was so convinced that I was good that I didn't need it anymore I was I was still in control if that makes sense Mm -hmm. I had not let my control go and say like okay I am gonna just let happen what needs to happen what the universe tells me I'm not like this huge God believer or religious person, but I do believe there is something out there that is bigger than me. And I need to let that be in control because clearly Whitney being in control (laughs) has not worked for a very long time. So I feel like when I decided that that was what I was going to do, everything did just fall into place. So it's hard sometimes to remember those things and to be like, this, I need, like, this isn't in your control and this isn't your thing to decide. And I, I have to remind myself frequently. You know, I always hear people say too, it's, it's funny because, you know, even with nine years, it can seem like it's been such a long time and it's not that long ago at the same time. So it sounds like it's not all those things, you know, you still have so much gratitude. So it's amazing yes. to hear all of this. Mm, thanks. Oh, I was gonna say, I'm usually not like speechless, but like I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've never <laughs> seen you speechless. I, I know, <laughs> but like, I truly, I don't even know what to say. Like, I just like this, like, that is a, a very well-told story, and I'm very grateful that you oh, are here thanks. on the pod sharing with us and, and everyone. I like um, how you said the pod. The pod. <laughs> the pod. <laughs> cool. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just really, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that I am here today. Like Me too. Here with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful, and you know, you obviously know that I'm in recovery myself. Yeah. Hearing these stories helps me too. So I really appreciate you coming on here. It's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard it to is. say all these things, but I'm glad I got to hear your story. Yeah. And that's why I'm, that's why I was doing it because friend told me about this podcast and she's like, I feel like if you're ready, you need to share your story. And I was like, nobody wants to hear my story. What my story is not any. And she's like, Whitney, your story is something. And I think it will be healing for you and it will help other people. And I'm like, okay, if it's going to help other people, then I, I'll go for it. Yeah. Thank so your friend for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I will. And I feel like it's just a different way to give back. You know, we don't get to give back all the time. And I feel like the further I get in recovery, the less connected I am with the recovery community. And I need, that's something that I know I need to do for myself is to continue to do that giving back and to keep myself connected. And that's why I'm here. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. (laughs) If just like as a, like on a a more final, like, I don't want to say a final note, but like, um, what, like, if there's like one little, just like one little nugget, if you can leave people with today, like one, a one liner for the people. Inspire some hope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let, me hope you, let me put you on the spot here. Um, yeah. could no you pressure. Up, could you come up with a one sentence inspirational quote for. <laughs> if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, this doesn't have to be the end for anybody. And life can get so much better. I don't know like how much of a quotable quote that is. Yeah, no, but that's perfect. Perfect. It's, like, you know. We do, we do recover. We can recover. You just have to be willing to put the work in to do it. It's never going to be easy, but it will always be worth it. That was perfect. I was going to say that was beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much again. Of course. Yes, thank you. You have been listening to the I Am Somebody podcast. If you are in a mental health crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988. You can also connect with a crisis counselor by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In Hancock County, Ohio, you can call the crisis line at 888-936-7116. For Hancock County, Ohio residents, you can contact Focus Recovery and Wellness Community at 419-423-5071. NAMI, Hancock County, can be reached at 567 525-3435. LGBTQ plus support can be found at LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley by emailing contact at spectrumoffinleylgbt.org. Outside of Hancock County, use the internet to find local recovery community organizations or your local NAMI chapter. LGBTQ plus youth can call the Trevor Hotline for support at 866 488-7386. If you are a victim of domestic violence, call 800-799-7233 or the Open Arms Hotline at 419-422-4766. If you are the victim of sexual assault, please call 800-656-4673. Marketing support was provided by Amber Keir of the Hysteria Company. I am your compare, Brooke Nissen. The song used is A Walk in the Light by Zach Fletcher and is used under permission of the copyright holder. This podcast was made possible by the support of Associated Charities, the Finley Hancock Community Foundation, the Hancock County Board of Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services, and donors like you. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit our website at IamSomebodyPodcast.org. Thank you for listening. I am somebody.